When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Alex Brandt, Bernard Rasmussen, Andy Brandt, Bernard, City Pages best local comedy podcast, <laughs> Tevin Pittman. <laughs> Are you kidding uh, me? You do know how much they hate our guts. Do they really? <laughs> Oh, my God. I don't pay attention. Anyway, we're going to retract that last statement. Just regular Tevin. Just regular resident black man, Tevin Pittman. (laughs) And Dave Schrader. Here's what I love about that. They record the thing here for free. I'm the worst human being on earth, and you're the greatest thing that ever happened. I'm the second worst human being. It's because he's black. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, Yeah, they're trying to make up for slavery. (laughs) Does this wash it clear? Yeah. Did it, did it work for you? One small step. Uh, Do you feel better? I feel a little bit better. About we'll your be, ancestors? We'll be back with more more with ass kiss over there. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions, or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I I appreciate that. Um, But I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. 
It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. We've been talking about a number of things. It's just how popular I am with the other media in town. Well, I did point out this morning that I am. But Tevin's a media darling. Hey, Tevin's the funniest guy ever. He's so great. Um, God, I'm surprised the KQ Morning Show didn't win Best Radio Show. Right. Yeah. What did win? Well. The cake. The, the uh, fresh I don't know. I, I just stopped at ours and. Oh, what an, <laughs> what an unbelievable <laughs> ego. I'm sure Honest we didn't make God. any list of city papers no, 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 except I, for most hated. I think they usually, they usually name like. The current, the best morning mm-hmm. show. Oh, yeah, of course. Welfare radio. That is, <laughs> they get so pissed that off when I call agenda. it that. It's funny. A listener made it up. I didn't make it up. It's welfare radio is funny. Garrison Keeler made all his money from welfare radio. <laughs> Apparently there's a hit list with anybody that's associated with you. You better watch out. You better watch out, You might not be loved forever. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're, we're in a quandary. He's black, and yet we right. hate him. <laughs> Oh, he talks the, to Tom the ultimate Trump card. We, we can fire him. Wait a minute. Is he gay too? No, we're screwed. Oh, sorry. Can't do it. What are you gonna do? God, what a what a I town. Just, oh, honest yeah. to I'm telling you, it whether it's the U.S. Attorney's office or whatever it is, man. I got some people out there who'd love to see me just buried. It's amazing to me. Yikes! It's a radio show, you sad sack bastards. Calm down. Well, well. Well, it is. GQ Magazine published an article Thursday entitled 21 Books You Don't Have to Read and listed the Bible at number 12, calling it repetitive and foolish and one of the most overrated books of all time. Oh, my God. Thanks, GQ. Yeah, really. Yeah, let me read GQ. The Jesus character is thin. (laughs) Not a good character at all. It's off to a slow start. Yeah. Just drags on. Look, you're not going to get, first of all, the Simpsons beat you to it. Yeah. Because uh, Reverend Lovejoy on there called the Bible a 2,000-page sleeping pill. <laughs> <laughs> it does go on. Which is very, very funny. Was it written for entertainment purposes? No. 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 This was not. No, and some of the books not. just don't make sense, right? You've got one that just like talks about the family lineage and John the Book Begins. of Numbers. Yeah. And the Book of like, Numbers, yeah, that's the entire yeah. thing. And then you got the Song of Songs, which is just a bunch of poetry. That's it. Right? Yeah, there's like one whole chunk is just about how oh, your teeth are even shorn sheep and your breasts they heave like a mountain I kid you not, read it. Song of Songs. It's really? amazing. It just, yeah, it's some of the. You're looking at it like love poetry in the middle of the Bible? One of the I, apostles was in love at that time, apparently, and uh, apparently. couldn't get his mindset. Yeah. <laughs> and who reads the Bible cover to cover? I mean. Never. Yes, people do. Yes. people do do it, but yeah. not. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna pull this off the shelf and give yeah. this a quick yeah. once right. over. Yeah, no. it's not. It's not in the bathroom. Yeah, no. is the Bible <laughs> a strictly Christian book? No, no. The Old Testament is the same thing as the oh, uh, Judaism. Yeah, the is that the Talmud? The Talmud Torah. <clears throat> Torah. That's it. Yeah. The Torah. I don't know what the Talmud is. That's something else. But or in any case, it might be the same thing. I don't know. Roman Catholics are the bridge between. Jews and Protestants. Because yeah, Protestants don't believe in the Old Testament at all. Right. Catholics believe in both. Somehow. Believe in both, and Jews only believe in the original. 
Mm-hmm. Part one. And then we Lutherans know just all the rest of you are going to hell. So Exactly. Everybody's burning in hell. It's absolutely true. These I know are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin. Sounds like my old neighbor. Dan and Naphtali. You sound like every pastor I ever had. So disenfranchised from what he's reading. And then they walked on the wall. How do you read? It's like, you know, you're reading a list of names of someone who begat them. And it's like... They are begatting up a storm. Wait, did he begat? Wait. No, 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 <laughs> Catherine, you've got it wrong. And he begat. <laughs> who did he begat? I forgot who he begat. That's a lot of begatting going on. Um, I don't understand. What is with the attack on religion now? I, I don't understand it. They, they, they've now said that Christians... What was the direct quote again, Andy? We were talking about it last week. That Christians are know, the worst people on earth, yeah. or something. Like that. It's just—it's—it's it's hard to keep track of them all. Oh, yeah. they said that Christians, all Christians, are racist. Ah, oh, that's an problem, old chestnut. Problem I have with that is Christianity is the only religion. Well, not I shouldn't say the only religion, but it is by far the most diverse religion of all of them. Mm. There are Christian Africans. All of South America is Christian. Most of North America is Christian, Western Europe. So that's where all the honkies come in. Uh, I don't understand. How can honkies. Christians... I love that word, honkies. Tom, it's 2018. <laughs> I believe the 70s behind my No, I love... There was actually a movie called Honky. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was also a movie called Blackula, and I don't like to talk about that. William <laughs> Marshall played Blackula. 80% of Africa is Christian. 80% of Africa is it Christian. Is? The but remainder is Muslim. Christians are all racist. Right, because yeah, we, we pushy white people, Christians, <laughs> go over there and force other people to take on our religion. Right, you guys are going door to door. Yeah, that's right. We did Watch do a little bit of that. Yeah, that's for sure. Pretty much all Spanish. Never done it once. <laughs> the, the, the greater number of Spanish people are Christian. Uh, so South America religious demographics ninety percent ninety percent Christian eighty two percent Roman Catholic eight percent other other right there there's other yeah there's well other. hatred's gone Always global gotta have I don't understand how you can come across with a statement like look I'm not even religious I'm, I'm not taking offense to this it's just complete and utter BS it's ridiculous yeah. well, that here, Christians are racist here's what I think it, it comes down to and it, yeah if you read the Bible it is they were allowed to have slaves as a matter of right. fact it was expected and, and you know there's there's a lot of lines if you want to break down the word of that and, and our past but it's at some point you've just got to look past and realize that we're different people now everybody's changing we're always well, altering we're trying to get to, to a different place but everybody wants some place to point their finger it's the Christians it's the Jews it's right. the blacks yeah. it's they the Hispanics do, yeah. they do. You have to have just, a bad guy. It's just you yeah. have Tom, a nice you're the bad guy in Minneapolis. I'm the bad guy in Minnesota. <laughs> it's like Scarface, right? We take a look at the bad guy. Take There's got to the be guy. the bad There's guy. There's got to be the bad guy. That's I, true. I read a study uh, over the weekend uh, that said that people always, no matter how good they have it, have a baseline amount of misery. Yeah, that sure. They, and if they can't, if they don't have misery in their lives, no poverty, hunger, or anything like that. They'll seek it out so they feel at least a little bit bad about something. Yeah, human. No one can feel 100% good. They I always have to feel bad about something. Feel bad about anything? You're a vegetarian. <laughs> but I don't feel bad about it. Like, if I, eat, if I eat meat, I feel bad about it, but I don't. Well, yeah, but well, it's still... You're a vegetarian. It's well, still like, yeah. you know, uh, 
injustice to the animals thing. That's still something that's injustice not pleasant. to the animals. But I don't take part in it, so I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, but you're stealing their food. My conscience is clear. Yeah, you're taking you're the chicken's food. food. All right. Thanks, Tevin. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel horrible. Okay. Way there to go. go. They're hungry cows. Well, you know, they've recorded <laughs> plants screaming. Oh, they have, yes. Yeah, they've cut they plants have. and they've recorded what they what they equate to be screams. That's right. And that they pull away. Wait. So just consider that, vegetarian. Yeah. Way to go, vegetarian. No, I'm mm. only eating cows. Yes. <laughs> Red <laughs> meat from here on out. Cows may be dumber than plants. It's hard to say. <laughs> No. It's They're not the argument. smartest animals in the world. Yeah, yeah, I'm sticking with eating things with souls. That's exactly right. GQ magazine published an article Thursday entitled 21 Books You Don't Have to Read and Listen to the Bible at number 12, calling it repetitive and foolish. The Holy Bible is rated very highly by all the people who supposedly live by it, but in actuality have not read it. The article reads, those who have, have read it know there are some good parts, but overall it is certainly not the first, finest thing that man <laughs> has ever produced. It is repetitive, self-contradictory, sententious, and foolish, even at times ill-intentioned. GQ suggested reading The Notebook instead. Okay. Oh, wow. God. Notebook. I love okay. Nicholas Sparks. T.J. <laughs> Miller, which I'm so sad that I missed him last week on the yeah, show. He was a great he, guest. He had a line in um, Silicon Valley. It was like, Christianity is almost illegal in Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's almost illegal. Oh, God. It's just unbelievable. Well, don't you think the reason that there's all these issues with different religions is because of the extremist side of each one no of the religions, yes. right? Oh, absolutely. It, no it, if yeah, people totally. would just get past the whole, you know, holding on to hatred and my belief is the only belief system, you know, it, to me, that's just ridiculous. If we're all going and clamoring for the same thing, just be good to people. It doesn't matter your race, color, creed, exactly. sexuality. Just be good to people and let, you know, let and whatever God exists make the decision at um, the end. That's just... the number one thing I tell my kids. Yep. Um, just be a good person. That's Real it. simple, folks. Don't follow Dad's example. Just Don't be a good person. Don't follow my example. <laughs> You're such a I'm communist. I'm not Tom Bernard's. <laughs> Yes, you're not. Well, I'm no Tom Bernard, kids, but I'm pretty bad anyway. I think a lot of the Christianity hate is because, you know, mommy and daddy were mean to me. That's exactly what it is. Mommy and daddy weren't nice enough to me. They didn't tell me they love me enough. They aren't Christian, therefore I hate all Christians. Yeah. All of this is about mommy doesn't love me or daddy doesn't love me. You, all of it. You know where a lot of the Christianity bashing is coming from now are former Christians. Can I... Can I interject with the love thing and mommy and daddy? Yeah. Because, you know, I mean... I. You know, I my, lost my dad recently, as you know, and right. during his eulogy, I, I told people, you know, uh, he wasn't comfortable with the L word. He was one of those guys that, you know, he's a generation. They just, but um, I would always tell him, and one of the times, or many of the times, he'd say, I'd say, Dad, I love you, and he said, that's your problem. That's your problem, yeah. man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but he did. He loved us. You, you know, you don't have to hear those words. You know that right. if your parents are there for you in your life, I mean, they love you. Well, my mother on her 61st or 62nd birthday told me that I was the very first person that ever told her I loved her. Oh, wow. But that's that same generation you're talking about. Right. They it's just, just they never were so said uncomfortable it. with saying those words. Yeah. I just keep saying it over and over to my parents, and I did until they just started responding. Yeah, and just start saying never, I love yeah, you back. Yeah, they were of that generation too. Yeah, it's like, it's you know true. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm it's, just it's like, funny love you, how it works that way. Like, but look, you, you knew you were loved. Yeah, that's all that matters, you know. But some people apparently need to hear those words, and 
Yeah. Well, if you just get, if you say it, it just gets easier. You know, it's like I'm sorry, Tom. Just a good. If you ever said that a lot, oh, you get God, used to no, saying it. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, there, city pages, Catherine. <laughs> Kathy pages. Who do you think feeds them all your antics? <laughs> you probably just found the leak. Kathy <laughs> pages. City pages mole. <laughs> I'm the leak. She's the leak to city pages. Honest to God, it's just the whole thing. You know what I loved about it is that two weeks or three weeks ago, whatever it was, I said, you can say whatever you want. You can't get to me. I couldn't care less what you say about me. Uh, You know, if it gets you more readers, I'm happy for you, but you're not going to hurt my ratings. You're only going to help them. And you you can't get to me. So they started going after Catherine. Ah! I know. They trolled my Twitter page. Yep. They really? Yeah. They did, yeah. I know, and they, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like you could just go on anybody's Twitter page and take a, a tweet and, and, and just publish it. It's like, really? Sure, you could sure. do that? Oh, yeah. I know. And, and, you, and, you can, and you can say what her intentions were and how she always well, thinks. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah, You're it, pretty it, transparent. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. amazing. a different way of taking a quote out of context. I it's, love it. It, it. That just shocked me. I mean, it, it truly shocked oh, me that they, that. They, that, well, that, that they would, would stoop that low. They have nothing better to do. They get, look, I mean, geez, look who they picked to be like the funniest person in town. <laughs> Devin. Yeah, you got a point there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they're not as credible as we thought. My favorite of all time, and I won't even say who it was about or who they were talking to, but Channel 11 was, was interviewing someone about me once. And Renee uh, Sponge Dive or whatever the hell her name is. Sponge It's a Greek name, Renee Sargent, Sargent York. I don't know what the hell her name is. But she used to date a friend of mine back in the day, Jesse Garcia, who was a great guy. Unfortunately, he's dead now. But, but in any case, she, she's doing an interview with this person. And I swear to God, they had the dark curtains behind them. The lights were dimmed. They had the sad music playing in the background. <laughs> And this woman turns to the other person and says, how about all those times you were so mean? Oh, my God. I, it just, you know, Dave, let me ask you a question. Coming mm-hmm. from, you know, iHeart, mm-hmm. do people really think that guy on the air is really me? You'd think being radio personalities themselves and former radio personalities, they would know that, you know, part of what they hear is just a character to drive a show. Well, yeah, mom told me that. Don't tell anybody. Mom told me that there was a character when I was like six years old and I understood the concept. Yeah. I know. It's like, you know, acting is not a difficult thing to grasp. You're brighter than most, apparently. (laughs) Well, you said the key word there. The key word is show. You're not the, the same person on the air that you are God. in real life. Well, God, there's stories of people who uh, play uh, villains all the time on movies. Mm-hmm. They go to public places and people will be like, you know, throwing things at oh, them. Oh, yeah. Because they can't separate the oh, face absolutely. from the villain. Yeah, weird. Which is absolutely so, true. yeah, it's sad to think, but it's true. I think the problem with it is most people in like TV shows and movies and stuff like that can separate because it's like, oh, it's a character. They have a different name. They dress differently. They were hired to play this person. Whereas you, it's like you every day with your name. Well, it's me blown up. I mean, I suppose it is me, but it's a really, really big version of me. Yeah. I guess. You are the popcorn king, aren't you? (laughs) Um, No, and we're very upset about that. I'll tell you what that means right after this, Tom. (laughs) Yeah. 
Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flo's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC, or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, what Mark, Markness Mike was saying. Markness Mike. Markness <laughs> Mike. Uh, Tim, you're a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, you're a good one. What Darkness Dave was saying earlier, one, about a year after I started the Cakey Morning Show, the Carver County Fair was going on. They asked me to do a personal appearance, right? So I go out. And I walk out. They go, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard. I walk out of stage, and it's like, it's that whole deal. And people actually have scowls on their face. And I'm like, what seems to be the problem here? Yeah, you ever hear the KQ Morning Show? No. <laughs> no, you ain't never heard no KQ Morning Show. By the way, you ain't the popcorn king. I'm like, What? <laughs> Apparently there was another guy named Tom Bernard, he's no longer with us, unfortunately, who was known as the Popcorn King. Yeah, there, that, is, there is information about him online if you know how to search <laughs> enough. It's difficult, though. So the whole crowd turned out for the Popcorn King. But not for me. Well, up in yeah, northern That's Minnesota, exactly used right. to be very insular like That's that. That's funny. Oh, oh, honey. Yeah. oh, yeah. Absolutely. Honey, put on your Sunday best. We're going to go see Tom Bernard, the popcorn yeah. popcorn king. Yeah, back then, Did it's like, you know. Did he play the accordion or something? Oh, good God. Did he do anything? No, he just I don't know. sold I never popcorn. Sold popcorn. He just sold popcorn. Well, sold... it's like, you know, back then, if you lived in some remote Minnesota city in the, you know, 1970s, it's like, how often were you going to leave your city? Because well, it would be a long drive to anywhere else, so why leave? There are still it's people. It's funny how you think the 1970s were like the 1920s. <laughs> There are still people who call me after after the Oscars every year and say, "Hey, everybody! Did you, I don't know if you heard last night, but it was really great because every year. everybody was thanking you." It's one person. It's always the same category, and it's always the same person that thanks. But I mean, Tom people Bernard. call me. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Tom Bernard is the president of Sony Pictures. Is that right? President, Something I think like he's, that. He's yeah, president he's, or, he's a producer. And, oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> but every year people go, hey, they thank you again this year during the Oscars. Man, that was really cool when I heard mm-hmm. him. Something. I want to thank Tom Bernard. Without you, this couldn't have happened. <laughs> every, every single year. I, I record it. I heard they were going to just cancel the Oscars because people were thanking you. Yeah. City Page is called. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> Did you see what Catherine tweeted? <laughs> and then one other time, we were staying at the Grand, uh, Grand Cypress Resort down in Orlando, which is right at the pretty much the gates or very close to the gates of Disney World. And everybody's being really, really nice to me. And then we found out later the reason they were being so nice to me was not that they were from Minnesota originally, but the general manager's name at Grand Cypress was Tom Bernard. (laughs) So some of the employees thought that I was their boss. Insert information. They're being really, really (laughs) nice to me. Ready? Listen, I have it recorded. I sent it to you. And it happens every single year. And to Tom Bernard for getting behind this film in such a princely way. God, this is all I ever do. <laughs> I'm very like princely. <laughs> well, hey, you say it's funny that I think the 70s is like the 20s. Since 1970, the population of Minnesota has gone up by almost 2 million people. So that's a few Was extra. That all? That's a few extra towns out there. I thought it would be more than that. Wait a minute. Well, it went from 3.8 million to 5.6 million. There's 5.6 so, million people in Minnesota. It's an extra like 50 percent almost. Mayan Somalian uh, cultures grew exponentially here, though, in yeah. the last yeah, since the 80s, true. right? Yeah. It became a huge. As a matter of fact, didn't they say? I know a few years ago uh, there was an article in the uh, Trib that said something along the lines that we had the second highest Hmong population outside of oh yeah Vietnam, yeah right oh, yes. outside of Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was first. It's second. Uh, it was well, first. I Madison, I, 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 maybe Wisconsin. Saying, yeah. Yeah, they uh, have Fresno a bunch first? too now for I some reason. Yes. Well, they were in Fresno, I know. Yeah, Wisconsin has a high Hmong population. Has a high Hmong po- yeah, probably I, Western Wisconsin. Yeah, 15 years ago, if you said Hmong, people yeah. outside of this area wouldn't even know what you right. were talking no, about. No, I've had to explain Somali what a Hmong too. person was to yeah. a, lot a lot of people. people. Yeah. yeah, A lot of people don't know who Somali people are either. Well, they do now. Like on Somali pirates kind of made that uh, famous. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that one movie, Tom out. Hanks. The Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, now I don't true. even like to go on Lake Chanhassen. I'm afraid of yeah, exactly. They're everywhere, those Somalian pirates. I just love the fact that Hmong is spelled H-M-O-O-B. Moob. Moob. Yep. Moob. I did not know that. Well, Their language Ameri- is very strange. They Americanized it to yeah. H-M-O-N-G. Is it actually pronounced Hmong? Yes. But it's H-M-O-O-B. Yes. Yeah. But the American version is H-M-O-N-G. N-G. Right. Yeah, but it's said Hmong. Oh. Or Chuan Kyan Dian Miao Yu Di Yu Tu Yu. Well, yeah. I'm Sing not saying you. that in Chinese. <laughs> the more common. Yeah. Uh, I will offend somebody if I attempt that. Oh, they were the, <laughs> that means they were the first vernacular Chuan Kyan, et cetera, et cetera, which means, I guess... Was that the Chinese Bible begatting page? <laughs> <laughs> the begatting page. I think That's it means right. they were the first people to speak Chinese. Or Ooh, something like that, or there, hmm. or Chinese came from Hmong. Well, it's hard to tell. Hmong people aren't from a certain area. Yeah, no, that's the thing. No, they're is, not. Yeah. They're right. cave dwellers, cave dwellers right. of Asia. Yep. Like certain parts of oh, Asia. That's correct. Yeah, it's not like oh, Hmong country. Yeah, it's a it's an ethnicity more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Hmong. Is that is that like Miller country? <laughs> yeah. Same thing. 
separate. And You've they got don't, the time. We've got the beer. We've got the they beer. They don't really <laughs> believe in modern medicine. They do not. Uh, no, I have a friend. Colette's brother's wife. Not wife so, and not really right. girlfriend. They have two kids together and they've lived together. Babe, cohabitant. Ever. Yeah, cohabitant <laughs> is Hmong. And she had to have um, a C-section with her son and her mom like wouldn't speak to her. Oh, my God. After. Oh, really? And, like, won't tell her family that she had a C-section. She told her family that she had a natural birth because it's like... Mm. Well, but 30 years ago, if you had an yeah. abortion, I can imagine some people's parents not talking to them <clears throat> anymore. Yeah, yeah, back so. then, yeah. yeah, but that was yeah, different than having a, a surgical procedure to yeah. save yours yeah. and your yeah. child's yeah. life. Yeah. There was a lot of people well, at, back in the 80s that, you know, if you were going to die if you didn't have an abortion, they were still like, you can't have an abortion. It's just not allowed. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, it's like HCMC is one of the only, like, major hospitals in the U.S. that will perform um, vaginal breach births really? because Somali and Hmong women refuse to have scheduled C-sections. Yeah. So strange. Yeah. And they're like, I'm either going to do it at home by myself. My, or my oldest son was born at home and he was a breach. Huh. But first uh, flipped the legs really? out and everything. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And that was Frank back in 88. scary? I yeah, know about A lot of scary. We delivered standing up. I know and about, I say uh, we because I was involved. I had to stand behind her. Yeah. With my arms in front of me. Keep like, her up, yeah. Right, like, like uh, the end posts at the football game, and she draped her arms over mine with yeah. her back against me, oh, yeah. and she would drop her weight yeah. and kick her legs up oh, to push. Man. And why Ooh. didn't she have a C-section? Because um, we were at home. It was a home birth. We had a midwife. Oh, and the midwife had sucks. delivered hundreds and hundreds of babies, and she's like, the baby's small. I've done this before. I can, we can get you to the hospital in plenty of time, or we can do it here. And uh, I conferred with our friend that was a doctor and my mom that was a nurse. And they're like, uh, no, she's delivered so many babies. We can go to the hospital and spend thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 to have this baby uh, because they're going to go in and automatically think she has to have a C-section. Yeah. Or you can have this baby and 20 minutes later the baby so was out. So Just because you were too chintzy. Yeah, pretty, much, pretty much. I'm going to draw a line somewhere. The new Atari 2600 game was coming out, and I needed to balance the scales. This We're baby not. was supposed no, to be a No, but they were just saying baby. they were just saying it's you know safer and, and healthier. Yeah. I was That's... supposed to have this baby at home, but I can't. I mean, I could. Mm. I'm staying out of it. On right. the topic of the Atari, you know what's kind of astonishing? What is you look at a new uh, you know fifty dollar game that comes out today. And you compare that to a $50 game, which in today's money is like $100 on the Atari 2600. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between what you're getting. Because something you were paying $40, $50 for in 1980s money is something that people wouldn't even take for free nowadays. Oh, 79 bucks. I remember saving up to get Knight Rider for my Atari 2600. <laughs> 76 bucks. And my kids will That's complain to me. My kids will complain to me about the graphics of their games, and I made them sit down, and I pulled up YouTube. Somebody actually videotaped themselves playing the Indiana Jones game, oh. Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is heinous. So it is bad. so bad. And yeah. they looked at me, and yep. I said, I played this game for 12 hours over <laughs> yeah. Christmas holiday. And then my kids looked at me, and they're like, well, it explains a lot, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, but speaking well, of that brain uh, damage. Did, did you see that um, Ready Player One movie yet? I have not seen it yet, no. Have you seen that, Tim? TJ Miller oh, yeah. did it. Oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, everybody's ranting and raving, and it's a Spielberg-directed movie, oh. and it's right in his wheelhouse, you know? 90s nostalgia? Uh, no, 80s nostalgia. Yeah. 80s nostalgia. Yeah, it just goes, in, well, even the 70s, because uh, the whole thing is, a, you know, it's the future, it's like another 20, 30 years in the future, people are living more vicariously through VR and, and in this kind of VR world mm -hmm. and everything, and it's this quest to try to try unlock this before the bad guys get a hold of it and kind of, you know... 
turn it into the man, you know, turn okay. it into business. And it's, they force feed you pop culture throughout the entire thing and not in a good way. Like you watch the wedding singer. That was a clever, fun reminiscence of the eighties movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's this, what I've heard is that it's way over the top. Oh, this is the, like, remember this every eighties reference into it and then blended it. And then I, I got to tell you, Tim, my, the one thing that terrifies my youngest son is Chucky. He's never seen a movie, <laughs> oh, but the image of Chucky oh, terrifies yeah. him. Oh. So here we are at ready that. player one. And you know, in video games, you can get, power-ups and you can get right. special weapons mm-hmm. well in one of the scenes they don't show it because the guy's doing it virtually he goes here use this little fella and he tosses him and then they show the vr world and it's chucky okay. and my little boy sitting next to me his jaw hits the ground and he just starts oh, trembling no. oh, and, and they throw him and chucky's got a knife and he's just like hacking everybody as he's going along and and for, i'm like this is the movie i would have never expected that scene to be in and for that yeah, one moment alone weird. The, the, my son was just horrified. It was, it was a funny scene. Uh, nine, eight, nine years old. Yeah. Okay. But he just does not like Chucky. And for that um, to be like all of a sudden like just in either. the mix. Chucky. What was the uh, I just, movie actually called? It's called Child's Ready? Play or oh, something? Oh, yeah. Child's Play Child's was yeah, Play. the original one. But did you like uh, Ready Player One, Tim? I just felt like it was forcing um, us to try to like oh, it. I think I gave it seven out of ten. You know, I, I, I just good. thought it moved way too fast, way too much to absorb, especially if you're not familiar with gaming that right. sort of gaming that much yeah, I'm, I'm 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 not familiar with regular playstation stuff i mean so sure. to throw this at me i just thought it was too much but again you know spielberg seemed to have a pretty good handle on it but yeah all those references are just thrown in fast and serious and you know i think this is the sort of movie that people will go back and pause and catch this and catch that because yeah. the whole movie is about hunting for this what they call an easter egg all right. So basically, he loads the movie with Easter eggs, pop culture-wise, from again, like you said, Dave, the '70s and '80s. It's like um, Wreck-It Ralph, where there'll be like three frames of this obscure video game right. character that right. you would not see unless you rewatched it 30 times. Right. Wreck-It yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So it's a, that sort of movie for people, really. I think they'll enjoy it, and that. And look, that obviously provides them an incentive to buy it on video, which means more yeah. money for the studio. You know that my kids are all in the wheelhouse of playing video games, and I took all of our kids this weekend. And I don't, you know, everybody was like, "Yeah, it was all right." Nobody was really moved by it. No, it wasn't no, a Spielberg I, I, movie to I me. I didn't think it was that great, but again, that, you know, I kind of come from it from the vantage point of, you know, this is just out of my depth in a way because, you know, I don't, I'm not a gamer. You know, I just the sort of movies that gamers are going to love. Yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. My kids are gamers. Oh, and, really? And, and they and just, even hit them. I they're mean, too that, young. That tells yeah. you a lot, then. That tells you a lot. Honestly, even I'm probably too young to get a lot of the references. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I was barely alive during the 80s, so any 80s reference is going to feel kind of... Barely alive. Well, I was, I was three years <laughs> old when it hanging on by a thread. I was three years old <laughs> when the 80s ended, so I don't really have a whole lot of, you know, Fond fondness memories. for the 80s, yeah, because I yeah was not aware of them. But. Dan saw Super Troopers, too, while I was gone. Was it oh, god-awful? He said that it was done well, like, oh. for as a... If you liked Super Troopers 1, you'll really like Super Troopers 2 because it's the same people. They right, brought is, in yeah. a couple new people, and he was, it was crowdfunded. Oh. It was, weird. yeah, it was crowdfunded. Yeah, between the people that were in it and then crowdfunding, that's how they paid for the movie. It wasn't like a big... Sure. If I can get yeah. in a quick recommendation, and this is only on video on demand, um, Borg versus McEnroe. Oh, yeah, you were telling me. You, uh, right, you know, right. It is Shia LaBeouf. 
the guy's out of control. He was a perfect guy to play John McEnroe, even though he's not lanky like McEnroe. But what a fascinating look at that, that match. It was Borg was going for his fifth Wimbledon title in oh, a row in yeah. 1980. And it's billed as one of the greatest tennis matches of all time. And I can see that. And I'm not a big tennis fan. You don't have to, it, it's kind of like I, Tanya. In fact, the same okay. distributor picked it up. Um, but it, 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 you don't have to be a tennis fan. You don't even have to be a sports fan. It's just so fascinating. Um, that I really recommend it. Just a great movie. It's not going to get a big theatrical distribution because it's one of those VOD slash theatrical simultaneously. So it's playing like 50 uh, screens right now. But uh, I've been, you know, just really trying to get the word out about it because it's a great movie. Do they use McEnroe's greatest line ever when the umpire who had a shaved head, when umpire called his shot out? And McEnroe turned to him and wanted to swear at him, realized he couldn't swear because he was on television, went, grow some hair. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. But, you know, he that's your big brat. burn, is it? He was a brat. Oh, God, he was so out of control. Yeah, he was But they did have the one line in there, which actually he did not say until 1981. So they used some creative license there. But the, you cannot be serious. Remember that line? Yes, yeah. you cannot be serious. Yeah, and yep. he, was, he was playing Jimmy Connors. He played Jimmy... Uh, in um, the 1980 Wimbledon, and I believe it was the 1981 match where he played Connors again. You know, the funny thing was, I always looked at McEnroe as more clownish than anything because he was so animated. The guy that I really thought came off as a jerk was Jimmy Connors. I don't know if you guys paid that much attention to tennis back then. Yeah, I did. I actually did watch it, but Catherine and I both watched it. Yeah, uh, and, right. and Bjorn Borg, I mean, extraordinary. And you find out in this movie, spoiler alert, it's not too big of a spoiler alert, he's the guy that had the huge temper problem when he was younger. Oh, yeah. And he learned to control it, and it was the opposite for McEnroe. McEnroe kept it all in, and then it just got to the point where he was just, like I say, out of control. There you have it. Tim, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Tommy, we'll talk Thursday. Sounds Bye. Great. All right, yeah. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. I'm here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl, and after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got? We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindahl team is hosting our SellerWorkshop.com series where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch? Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to sellerworkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket. The seller workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited, and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit SellerWorkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, indeed, that's all I have to say. Ladies and gentlemen, 
We are all here in studio. Our special guest is Jeff. Ready to go? Yep. Jeff Belanger, how are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Marvelous. You know, I actually went to school with a kid who pronounced it Bellinger. Yes, and if you went north, it's Belanger. What are you going to do? Belanger. Yeah. Jeff Belanger. Yeah. But you pronounce it Belanger. I do. There was a a, a, a shortstop for the Orioles named yep. Mark Belanger. Mark Belanger. From Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I'm told a cousin, though I never met him. You know, one of those distant cousin kind of things. Do you know how good a shortstop he was? I, I understand. There's no one you'd rather have in the field, and no one you'd rather not have it back. That's correct. He was such a great, <laughs> great shortstop. He batted, I believe, lifetime 198. Ooh, yeah, right. like his. Yeah, his I, worst. Terrible at bat. Wonderful in the field. He that was, was phenomenal in the field. There is no getting Jeff Belanger. Or Mark Belanger, Jeff Belanger. Mark Belanger is one of the great shortstops of all time. Jeff Belanger, let's talk the book, Who's Haunting the White House, the President's Mansion, and the Ghosts Who Live There. Now, Catherine and Andy and Alex are all here today. The whole family's here with me. We've all been in the White House, as a matter of fact, but luckily no ghost popped up. Nope. Although, i got to tell you, Jeff, I, I thought it was kind of a dump. Well, it's old. It's very wow. old. Oh my gosh! Where do you live, Tom? How do I get <laughs> where, do you, where do you live? Wow, man! Well, well, the podcast thing must be paying big, huh? <laughs> that, Jeff, honestly, got that press room. What a, what a dump that thing is! They put plywood over an old swimming pool, and that's where the press room is. Mm. Really? Yeah, the press room at my house is uh, much nicer. Yeah, much nicer press room at <laughs> your a, house. I there's a car that. park next to it and a lawnmower, but, you know, it's, it's decent. Um, yeah, no, well, the, the parts of the White House I've been in, I didn't get to go to the press room. I was in the, the living area, which um, I found remarkably nice. Well, that's got to be nice. I didn't, yeah, we weren't in there. We weren't in the, the living area. We, we got we were in the West Wing and um, then the press room. And we were also there, like, 18 years ago. The Oval yeah. Office, but the... but. Uh, I think they've repainted and recarpeted. They probably repainted and recarpeted by now. <laughs> Although yeah. we did move the uh, the statue of Martin Luther King. Oh no! Wait a minute. That never happened. <laughs> I still can't believe they accused him of moving it, and it wasn't moved. You could see it there clearly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, and this is exactly why my book focuses on everything not in the West Wing. I like it because it's a dump. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was that was added on in the 1950s. That was not yes. not there yep. before that. Uh, come explore the spooky world inside the White House. It's one of America's most famous and haunted homes, so keep your eyes wide open for darting shadows, ghostly apparitions, and lurking creepy creatures. Now, Jeff, what comes to mind immediately is, toward the end of his tenure, they said that Richard Nixon used to talk to what they thought was himself. And then other people felt he was talking to, I guess, people that you and I couldn't see. Yeah, right. You know, so many presidents have brought up uh, ghostly presences there. Um, Harry S. Truman mentioned them many times in his letter. Ronald Reagan mentioned how his dog would bark wildly. Uh, the Bushes talked about them. There's a spirit to that building. And I think George H.W. Bush, the first Bush presidency, mm-hmm. I think he summed it up best. I saw an interview with him many years ago where he talked about uh, sitting in the, uh, in the White House, and it was the first time as president he had to send some troops into harm's way. It was... Um, um, before Desert Storm, and he had said that he was struggling with the decision, and he thought about everything that Lincoln went through, and he said, suddenly, I just said, okay, what I'm going through isn't that bad, 
And and so it gave him some peace to understand that, that Lincoln is this benchmark. And Lincoln's ghost is the presence that comes up again and again and again right. in the White House. Right. And I think that's why. Because no matter how bad you have it as president, no matter what the press is calling you or not calling you, uh, you don't have it as bad as Lincoln, period. No, I bet you that's true. Well, I do, but no <laughs> right. other president does. It's a whole different deal. It's it's amazing. What about William Henry Harrison? Yeah, so Harrison was um, uh, Harrison's one of the ghosts that that come up early on, and it's um, he, of course, served the shortest amount of time because yep. he, he, he died. One month. Yeah, a month, and, and really hardly served because he was, he got sick uh, right after his inauguration and, and spent a lot of that time in bed. So really, was hardly president. His uh, his ghost comes up as someone searching in the attic, mm. which is uh, which is interesting because you, you know what are you searching for? Probably searching for a legacy of some kind, I guess. But uh, I think what happens as soon as someone dies in a building and is attached to a place, we can't help but look for traces of them. And mm. when you think back to the various presidencies. Some made a big mark, either through policy or whatever, or, or whatever. But some people make their mark through what they didn't do, and mm-hmm. that would probably be poor William Henry Harrison. Why is it that some people do believe? And the reason I'm going to ask you this, I'll tell you up front. The reason I'm asking this question, Jeff, is about some people believing and others don't believe and whatever. Uh, as a little boy, my father was schizophrenic, and he used to see and hear things all the time. Sure. But I never strove to explain that whole thing to myself by saying, well, maybe he wasn't that crazy. Maybe it was just ghosts or apparitions or whatever. I never went down that road. I just thought uh, he was schizophrenic. Well, there's a difference between many people reporting something and one person reporting something. Yeah, but to watch your father talk to something that's not there is really a an lot odd of, experience. A lot of people would rationalize it as ghosts or something yeah, like that. But yeah. only I, don't, I think only a kid would. Well, I was seven. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think when you have multiple witnesses who say, "Hey, I I can't tell you if there's ghosts or not, but I saw or heard this thing." Right. And and that's what's interesting to me. So when when something comes up more than once, and the first ghost reporting that I found in the White House was uh, the ghost of Willie Lincoln, and it it turns up in oh, a letter yeah. that yeah, Mary <laughs> Willie Lincoln died in the White House, um, Lincoln's beloved son, and. What a what a sweet kid! I read some descriptions of him. How he'd be outside playing, and and various uh, you know foreign dignitaries would walk up and he'd take off his hat and bow really low, and then mm. go right back to playing. And everyone just thought he was the most charming kid. And he died of a, a typhoid-like disease oh. in the White House. Uh. And shortly afterward, uh, and you know, being a dad, that's the worst thing in the world that can happen to you is losing your child. And so uh, Mary Todd Lincoln, and we know historically that she might have been a little off the rocker, uh, but she <laughs> writes in a letter to her sister that her son is visiting her at night with his uncle Alec, who also died in childhood. And it gave her great peace to know that he's not alone in the great beyond. And, oh. and then Mary Todd was holding seances in the White House. We know President Lincoln attended at least one of them because it made the paper to say, you know, what's, this, what's our president doing yeah. with this, this kind of crazy you know, activity. And you could say that's just a distraught mother horribly missing her child. And I'd agree with you, but decades later, in the early 1900s, there's a military aide named uh, Archibald Butt, uh, the unfortunate name, but... Yeah, that's a wrote, shame. Yeah, I know. What are you going to do? That is his name. And uh, he writes oh, in a letter to his sister, and it gets into his memoirs, that in, in 1905, he's visiting the White House, and he learns that it's haunted by the various servants. And the servants say it's haunted by the ghost of a little boy. He never mentions Lincoln, but the only little boy to die there was, was Willie. So it's interesting to me when stuff comes up historically again. 
Well, what's what's pretty cool too, Jeff? Right? I mean that uh, the White House and and the reconstruction of it is one of the first and, and probably one of the most well known ghost photographs, right? Yeah. So in 1950, the, the White House was completely gutted. They took it, everything out, all the rooms completely down to the stone walls, and then they dug down three or four stories. They added the east and west wings and so on. And during that renovation, uh, White House photographer Abby Rowe took this photo where you can see, and I actually put it on my website for, for people to see it as well. Uh, you can see this, this uh, just gutted, and there's earth movers in there and all this other stuff. And in the way back corner, you see a man that's almost semi-translucent, kind of see-through. And you can say, well, boy, he's so far away from the camera. But if you look to his right or just left of him in the photo, you see three other men standing who look as solid as anyone else in the photo. And so people point to this and ask, you know, is this a possible, you know, ghost photo taken in the White House in May of 1950 by the official White House photographer, Abby Rowe? Now, the, the appearances go all the way through Clinton, Bush, the Obama sure. presidencies, nothing yet from Donald Trump because I would, if well, I were a ghost. never there. Plus the fact, I'd be scared <laughs> to death of Donald Trump if I were a ghost. Because that kind yeah, of the real. current administrations are tough to get stories from. Yeah, uh, I they, suppose, they, yeah. They, yeah, they turn, up, they turn up a few years after someone leaves office. Right. But, um, but yeah, no, and, and uh, I only heard a story about George W. Bush. Um, not that long, it was just a few years ago. He was working on his father's re-election campaign and was alone on the second floor of the White House when he claims he saw something right around the Lincoln bedroom. And, uh, and he was upstairs alone and had just done some exercising on a stationary bike and, you know, sees this thing and, and gets spooked. And, and it's just little stories. And that's what this experience really is. It's subtle. And if you think of all the history that's been made in that building, uh, boy, I mean, there is a spirit to it. That really is, uh, you know, maybe not the heart of America, but the mind or, or near it, uh, hopefully, <laughs> if all is going well. And that's, that's, that building has a power to it. I know you got to go to the Oval Office, but I remember walking up the, the steps to the North Portico, and you're mm-hmm. right in that main entrance, and you're just like, wow, every single U.S. president stood where I'm standing. Every right. one of them. Right. I, I, I know Washington died before it was completed, but still, he laid the cornerstone. He was there. That's, that's powerful. No question about that. Is it, every time you hear someone staying at the White House, everybody wants to stay in the Lincoln bedroom. <laughs> right. Why is that? So the Lincoln bedroom was never the Lincoln's bedroom. It was the, ori- <laughs> it was the original executive office. That was the, oh. you know, before the Oval Office, that was where right. the executive office was. So that's where people would visit the president and talk about whatever issues were going on. The furniture was owned by the Lincolns. And now they, that's why they call it the, the Lincoln Bedroom. It is a hot spot, and that one comes up again and again. As I mentioned, right. Reagan mentioned his dog would bark wildly in front of the Lincoln Bedroom. Mm-hmm. And th- the thing about the witnesses in the White House is that these are some of the most vetted witnesses on Earth. I'm not talking about the presidents, because we don't drug screen them. We don't psychologically evaluate them. <laughs> right. We don't background check them, right? right. You can be crazy and on drugs and be president. That's fine. <laughs> But if you work there, if you're one of the 100 employees who are the butlers, the cleaning crew, the groundskeepers, the cooks, and so on, the people that have no, uh, it doesn't matter which party's in power, these folks are, are generational employees of the White House, some of them. Those folks are drug tested and psychologically screened and so on because of who they're around. Yeah. And there, there was a, a foreman, uh, his name's Tony Savoy, who talked about early one morning turning the lights on on the second floor as part of his duties and seeing Lincoln sitting on a chair right in front of his bed, uh, the Lincoln bedroom, 
with his legs crossed, looks right at him, and then disappears. Oui. And to me, that's, I mean, that's as reliable as a person you're ever going to find. And, and we know what Lincoln looks like. He's on our money. Just look at the $5 bill and go, yeah, that's the guy. That's who I just saw. <laughs> Pretty hard to miss. Yeah, yeah a very distinct-looking person. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so uh, so you, when I hear stories like that, I mean, you can say Truman, whatever you want about Truman or Bush or anybody, but mm-hmm. Tony Savoy, I believe. No, I understand that. I, I always talk about the one time in my life I, uh, I was very close to my great-grandmother, and she was 100 years older than me exactly. And she died when I was four years old. She was 104, which is kind of weird because it means that she was born in 1851, many years before. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was exactly 100 years older than me. But when she died, I do remember her name was Susan Barnard. And and my mother came to me and said, your great-grandmother has died. And I took it very hard, I remember that, because she and I were very close. And then that night I went to sleep, and I woke up, and she was standing at the end of my bed. And that's the only, she didn't say anything, she was just standing there looking at me. And that's the only time I've ever seen what could be considered an apparition, I guess. Is that because I was so close to her, do you think? Sure, and I think we get, you know, it's a spiritual experience, and who am I to judge that? You know, I I mean, if I tell you I went to church and I felt really warm and wonderful inside and connected to something bigger than me, were you going to call me a liar? Right? (laughs) I would. Well, Dave would, because he knows me better. That's right. Dave would go after you. But but at the same time, if I tell you I love my child, are you going to call me a liar? If I tell you something was funny to me, I mean, these are are emotional Mm -hmm. human Mm -hmm. experiences that we all go through, and we're all trying to reckon with. So you had an experience that I would call that a a really wonderful and tender goodbye. It was wonderful. Even even though there was no words exchanged, there didn't need to be. It was just, hey, I'm not gone. I'm, I'm, I'm not, the, and I'm, I'm this close. Don't worry about it. You know, I think that's a wonderful message to get. And I think we connect yep. with our past because that's what makes us up. That's who we are, and not just our, our relatives, but people that made history around us. That's what a ghost is: is a connection to the past. And you, I think, I believe personally, a, a literal one. But even if you, if you can't get there in your mind or heart, a, a figurative one is also okay. It still works. You know, it's history demanding to be remembered. These ghosts ask us to go back and say, well, why don't you go learn who Lincoln was and what he did and, and what was going on in the country? I mean, that's a, that's a good lesson. We can always hear that one again. I can uh, tell you a really kind of weird thing about that whole, that, that week, because later on in the week, so after she appeared at the end of my bed and just kind of stood there looking at me, you know, didn't, what, didn't have an expression on her face, wasn't scowling, wasn't smiling. She didn't have any look on her face. But within about a week or two at the most, now I'm four years old, okay? Yeah. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but about within the next two weeks, I remember reading the Sunday Funnies. And remember Blondie and Dagwood? You guys remember that? Sure. I noticed, and I actually made a comment to my mother, Blondie's really pretty. (laughs) So I don't know if one had something to do with the other, that I also noticed women in a different way, or what that was all about. I don't yeah. know. I have that no idea. Four is pretty young to notice the opposite gender, for sure. Unless it's Daphne from the Scooby-Doo show. She's, <laughs> on. She's in a whole other league. <laughs> Jeff, I'd love to have you back on again and talk more about this. It's a fascinating subject. Who's haunting the White House? Jeff Belanger, B-E-L-A-N-G-E-R. Yeah, please come back, Jeff. Wonderful talking to you, sir. Sounds good. Thank you, Tom. Have a good day. You too. We'll be back. Tom Bernard,